Hello, my people. Today's episode of the Miami Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Octopus Agent, the go-to website and marketing system for real estate agents. Developed by the Montiel Organization, the leading real estate coaching company in South Florida, Octopus Agent provides you with the lead capturing website, email marketing system, content, pre-construction search, and IDX necessary to capture more leads and convert them into buyers and sellers. If you want to increase brand awareness, capture more leads, and convert them into buyers and sellers, go to octopusagentservera.com and receive a 50% discount on your first month. There's no setup fee, no cancellation fee, no contracts. Cancel anytime. Get 50% off the first month at octopusagentservera.com. Again, octopusagentservera.com. Hi, and welcome back to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Omar DeWin, communications executive here at Surveyor Real Estate. Joining me in the studio today is a very special guest, the managing director and founder of Rocker Fuel, Jeff Ranzel. Jeff, thanks for coming. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, very excited to have you here today. We're having a conversation all about tech and the booming sector that is Miami. Uh, so, Jeff, why don't you uh, please tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your background? I think there's no one better than to lead us through this conversation than, than yourself. Sure. Um, well, I, I, interestingly enough, I started off as an entrepreneur when I was very young. I, my first company uh, that I started, I was 14. Um, by the time I was <clears throat> 22, I had sold, started and sold three companies. And um, the interesting thing there was back in the early days, uh, let's call it you know, late 90s, Merrill Lynch as a, as a financial institution used to have a very large family office <clears throat> representing some of the wealthiest families around the world. And as we all know, because we're in the ultra high net worth business, um, you know the things that keep the ultra high net worth up at night. Uh, I think one of the one of the biggest things is: did we make life just too easy on our children? Uh, did they not skin their knees enough? You know, did they not suffer enough? Did they not have to hustle? And so back in those days, uh, what Merrill Lynch was doing was sitting down with that second and third generation, trying to find out what their interests were. And, um, and then they would go out and find businesses that were interesting to that second and third generation. And I was just at the right place at the right time, and two of my companies were purchased by those families. And um, the CEO of, of, of the organization at that particular time took a liking to me, and I started my career. Uh, it was a 21-year career at Merrill Lynch, many different jobs. It was a uh, my first job was actually a, a, a junior analyst uh, during the, the dot-com days. That's kind of where my interest in, in the creative economy started way back uh, in 1995, believe it or not. Uh, <clears throat> I did many different things, uh, managing ultra-high net worth individuals, money, family offices, went into leadership. Uh, my last job, which I retired from in 2016, uh, I was one of six that ran the firm. Um, my responsibility was the state of Florida, the state of Alabama, state of Georgia, all of Latin America and the Caribbean. So I'm a, uh, a student of industry life cycle. Mm -hmm. And it became very obvious to me, I would say, actually starting as far back as 1999, that the world was changing significantly, uh, that information was going to be democratized because of, of technology, and that the financial services world was going to go through a major shift. Um, and I... I felt like I was at this point in my life and my point in my career where if I was going to unplug from the matrix, if you will, and go into the real world, it was, it was now. And I looked at Miami. I was living in Miami. I moved to Miami in 2001 to take over Latin America. 
and absolutely fell in love with the city. Uh, you know, I always tell people, uh, I, I would rather be homeless and live in Miami than live anywhere else in the world. <laughs> uh, absolutely love this city. And so when I made the decision to to leave Merrill Lynch, um, you know, the natural bridge was to stay into financial services. I understand ultra high net worth uh, and family offices and what they're needing. And I think we're at this, I don't think, I know that we're in this point of, of uh, the life cycle where, you know, the wealthy are looking for boutique offerings, things that are difficult to get access to. The whole notion of abundance and scarcity, right? The, mm. the larger firms really kind of focus on abundance. Uh, things that you and I can actually acquire through our iPhones and don't have to pay anybody, don't have to talk to anybody. You know, if you and I want to buy Uber right now, we could literally do it on our iPhones while we're talking, and it would be executed. Um, and that's abundant, right? And so the financial services world, as it sits at least in the last 8 to 10 years, is changing significantly. And I think that ultra-high net worth are looking for these boutique offerings, and they want access to the creative economy so they can get returns that they're not getting in these, these you know, the, the more traditional markets. And uh, so are you saying that these um, these boutique offerings, you're seeing more and more of these in, in Miami, or am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, even, you know, if you, if you look at, uh, you know, a, a big part of Miami is Latin America. Mm-hmm. And what do our Latin American investors come to Miami for? Boutique offerings in real estate, largely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, boutique offerings in uh, ho- our hospitality world. And I think right now they're also I don't I, I know factually because we have a two hundred and twenty five million dollar fund, and of that fund about forty percent of it is offshore you know investors from Latin America, that are that are wanting to come to the United States and gain access to the technology sector, but do it in a more pragmatic way. And I think that's really what Rocker Fuel brings to the table. You know I come from the the public markets where there's a tremendous amount of scrutiny. And, um, you know, I came to this particular asset class and said, you know, we can bring, you know, a more pragmatic approach. We can mitigate risk more like the public markets. We can bring more scrutiny to, to the asset class and lower the risk categories. And investors, that's what they're looking for. And excellent. So we talk about uh, the ultra high net worth coming, you know, turning their attention to Miami. I think it's a very timely conversation because a week or so ago, in the 2019 Miami report that was released by ISG World, they pointed out Knight Frank just reported Miami jumped to number five in the world, number one in the U.S. for the most attractive markets for ultra high net worth individuals, which was, you know, uh, surprising and, and not necessarily surprising, but it was a great, you know, leap and jump. And we're yeah. excited to see that. Um, so I, I guess going back to what you're saying and tying into the tech sector, it goes one step further when you look at investment. I think that um, there's, as you talk about here, there's amazing tech and finance opportunities and, and companies, people that are turning to Miami as a sort of hub of the future. Can you talk to me a little bit about some of the actual companies um, and, and sort of tech sector innovations that we're seeing uh, homegrown here in Miami? There's, there's actually a lot. Um, you know, just to go through a list, you, you have Bolt Mobility right now, which is a really super interesting um, company that actually came out of Silicon Valley. Wow. Um, so I, I think it's, it's just proof source again to, to what we're talking about. You know, this is the founder of, of Bolt is actually considered to be one of the, the top 50 venture capitalists in the world. And uh, he made a decision to leave Silicon Valley. He spent nine months studying the United States and where he was going to move to mm-hmm. and, and bring, you know, this, this, this notion of micromobility. 
And after nine months of research, he picked Miami uh, because he felt Miami was was the up-and-coming tech opportunity in the United States. So that that's a big, big statement for us, right? Absolutely. Um, so we moved here. He started Bolt. Um, his first location for Bolt was Fort Lauderdale. It was mm-hmm. kind of a test pilot to see, you know, if if their their iteration in the scooter. Uh, micromobility play would, would be attractive to the end consumer. And they did a lot of things that I think are super interesting. You know, most scooters are, uh, you know, like a skateboard type uh, standing, mm-hmm. uh, which creates a tremendous amount of risk from, a, from, you know, if you hit a bump or whatever. Right. So but one of the things that they did, I think that's really, really interesting is they now have an athletic stance. Right. So if you get on a bolt, you're standing side by side in, a, in, a, in an athletic sense, which lowers the the risk categories of the mm-hmm. scooter market, which is one of the biggest things that people like to pick at. Right. Well, and I, are those new? Because I recently was was riding them and it was still the, the skateboard. Uh... Well, you're, 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 you're on the wrong scooter. You've got to oh. be riding a bolt. <laughs> You've got to ride the yellow ones. Oh, yeah. the, I, I thought bolt was the white and black one. No, right? no, no. Okay. Bolt is the yellow one. And... Um, uh, Oh, that's Usain Bird. Bolt. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Okay, but but we like we like uh, we like Bolt, not yes, Bird here. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look out for yeah, that one. Yeah. But so if you guys have been if you've been sleeping the last couple months, you you may not have noticed the plethora of scooters around downtown Miami. Uh, now they're a lot of fun, and they're also as we were talking about off air, they're great on the environment, right? Yeah. I listen. The the all of the studies that we you know for our firm mobility is a major investment theme that we're leaning into, and if you look at all the studies by the year two thousand and thirty, which is not that far out, uh, the car ownership is expected to be down eighty percent. At the exact same time, there is expected to be an eight billion person migration to the major cities around the world. I call that the urban stampede. Wow. So when you start to think about that, a massive migration of people moving into the, uh, the urban centers around the world, uh, people just saying, you know, my car's sitting around 80% of the time doing nothing. I got to pay for insurance. I got to pay, you know, interest on the loan. I got to put gas in it. I got to pay to park it. It's, a, it's, it's really not a very smart investment. Mm-hmm. And pe- more and more people are starting to realize that. So the whole notion of, of mobility is, is a massive uh, theme that we believe is going to, you know, from an investment perspective, pay massive dividends. You look at Uber and all these other things. You know, I've been on CNBC now three times in the last 60 days talking about Uber, and you have all these people that are second-guessing it. And I just sit back and just think, God, you, you really just don't understand the, the data. Because mm-hmm. if you understood the data, you'd be buying as much of it as you possibly could right now. Um, but to your point on, on um, you know, the environment, I also think it's, it's a really big deal. And, you know, I know that there's a, a huge um, debate, mm-hmm. right? Is there really climate problems? Uh, I, I live in Miami. You live in Miami. Yep. We, you and I both know there's climate issues, yeah. right? I mean, I keep my boat at uh, Dinner Key in Coconut Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had it down there for almost 10 years. And I'm going to tell you right now, the water levels are actually, you know, they're rising. Sure. You know, at high tide, my, my swim platform is level with the cement docks that were put in there in the 60s. Wow. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a serious issue. So with mobility and, and, and removing emissions, um, you know, we can be a part of, of, of slowing this thing down or, you know, hopefully, you know, eradicating it, which is, I think, what we all have to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, I, I think that 
the more that we as a community, as we were talking about, sort of mentally get behind these solutions or alternatives or just ways to sort of slow down, as, as you mentioned, um, the issue, the better, uh, right? Yeah, I, you know, again, th- you, you, you roll into life cycles. Um, you, you, I, I kind of call it this, this rinse and repeat mentality, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's the human condition. We're, we're habitual creatures. You know, we get up in the morning, we did this, whatever you did this morning to get ready for work, you did the exact same thing yesterday. Yep. I know that. Yep. Um, your day for the most part is going to look pretty much like it did yesterday. You're going to go home tonight and you're going to pretty much do exactly what you did last night. We don't stop, I, I believe, we don't stop long enough to kind of take a, a look at what's really going on. The world has completely changed in the last four years. And this kind of goes to my investment themes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I came to your office this morning in an Uber. Mm-hmm. Now, Ten years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that, right? right. Um, but do you own Uber? Well, now you have the ability to own it in the public, in the public markets. But up until a month ago, you, you, you had to know someone who knew someone who knew someone to get access to it, mm-hmm. right? You, you look at, at Amazon. The majority of us purchase everything through Amazon. It shows up at, you know, like Christmas, you know, two days later. Right. You know, now it's changed and you can actually have it tomorrow. Uh, but do you own Amazon, right? I can go on and on and on and on. The majority of the things that we face off with on a daily basis have completely changed from what it was four years ago. But when you, you sit down with investors and you ask them what their portfolios look like, it looks exactly like it did 20 years ago. And that makes absolutely no sense. So that, I think, kind of rolls into everything else that's going on in the world right now. We have to stop and, and kind of take a, a, a breather and say, what has changed? Well, climate has changed. Uh, it is warmer. The, the seas are rising. But what are we doing to be a part of the solution? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you and I were mentioning this when we were offline uh, a few minutes ago. But, you know, it doesn't matter what documentary is talking about, you know, climate change or scientific reports. Miami is in that, that mm-hmm. report. It's in that documentary as a, a city that someday could be underwater. Well, to me, if Miamians came together and locked arms and said, well, what can we do to be the poster city for the world on how to slow this down. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that could then roll off to other uh, coastal cities around the world. But it's going to take us, you know, this 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 notion and this understanding that we can't just keep rolling through every single day because a day turns into a week, a week turns into a month. And before you know, it's 10 years down the road and we're swimming to uh, your office. (laughs) Right. So get out of that uh, rinse and repeat uh, mentality. And I I think that this important message and from our end, I think our position is definitely that it's an issue that needs to be addressed. There are experts out there looking into it. It's a global issue, right? Not just a Miami issue, a lot of major cities uh, across the world that, have to turn their attention to this, but uh, it can be done, and we should do it as long as we snap our, our minds out of it. And in the meantime, uh, if you want to live by the water, there's no better place to live by the water than Miami, right? Because exactly. natural disasters are, uh, occur yeah. anywhere, and yeah. and that's something that's just a, a, a part of life. But um, you, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. Once again, we're here with Jeff Ransdell, the managing director and founder of Rocker Fuel, major VC fund down here and part of the wave of tech innovation that's happening in Miami. So, Jeff, when we talk about tech and real estate colliding trends, one of the things I heard recently, it kind of like builds on the Uber conversation, sort of where, where trends are going. 
when we had our corporate summit a few months back, um, Bernardo Forbrescia, the architect, the founder of Architectonica was there, was talking about how now the buildings are being designed where the parking garages, essentially at the bottom five, seven floors and whatever, you know, 50 story building are being designed in a way where in five, 10, 15 years, they could be easily converted or retrofitted into commercial space. I guess already looking at advanced in the trends that you're talking about with where we're going with cars. Well, I, I think that's brilliant. I, I, first of all, I haven't heard of that, but you know that that's brilliance um, in, in understanding how life cycles you know shift. And, and this is this is a group that is saying, look, you know, in five years or by the year 2030, if 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 car ownership drops by 80 percent, what in the world are we going to do with all this these parking spots? So I love to hear things like that because that's exactly how we all need to be to be thinking. Um, but the whole collision, uh, co- you know, with, with technology and real estate, you know, you asked me earlier, but, you know, another amazing company that's actually was created and being built and executing and scaling in Miami is a company called Admobilize. Okay. And Tell us Ad- about them. Admobilize is, is, you know, the virtual world. And you, you think about sensors. Um, so, for example, Wynwood. Wynwood just signed a contract with, with Admobilize. Uh, to sensitize all of Wynwood. And so now, uh, you know, we've met with the police department, we've met with the mayor, and what that means is, is now, um, you know, the, the city will be able to sit by behind tele, uh, television screens. Okay. And let's say, for example, uh, the, on, on the, the corner of 2nd Avenue and 21st, you, you have, uh, you know, you have a bar there, mm-hmm. right? And um, on a Friday night, let's say that there is 10,000 people there. Well, you'll actually know that there are 10,000 people on that corner wow. at any particular time because the sensors are, are, are doing the head count. We know how many men are there. We know how many women are there. We know their age groups. We know if they're happy. We know if they're sad. We know if they're pissed off. And, you know, if it, we <laughs> know what their moves that. are. <laughs> and so that information will be fed in real life time to the police station, and the police station will be able to say, hey, you know, we've, we've got a mass of people on this particular corner. None of them are happy. We should probably send out... It may or know, may not turn into a riot. <laughs> <laughs> it may or may... But we can, we, can be, uh, we can be proactive about it and send people to that particular corner. Um, the city will be able to market uh, online to the end consumers. So if, you know, it's Friday night and you're sitting with your wife and you say, hey, let's go... Let's go out and have dinner. Let's, but we want to, you know, we want to be where the action is. What's what's scaling right now, socially speaking, you mm-hmm. know, through social media, et cetera, et cetera. You'll actually be able to go to the Winwood uh, website and you'll be able to see. Well, um, you know, Q, for example, sure. is is scaling Great right restaurant. now. There's a tremendous amount of people that are that are there right now, and so you say, okay, well, let's go there. Or maybe you think to yourself, well, that's way too many people. I don't want to go there. Let's go somewhere a little bit more quiet. You'll be able to figure all that information out. Wow. I mean, that's just mind blowing right there. So uh, tell me, I think it's great. Uh, is it um, consumer sort of oriented or is it mainly for police use? Or I guess you mentioned like we as individuals can find out what's what's hot at the moment, right, in terms of restaurants. But Well, let's break it down then to the, 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 uh, the business owners, okay? Uh-huh. Because again, it's sensors. And so that data, you know, data is the new oil. Right. Sure. I mean, it's worth more than oil today. So like uh, we'll be able to uh, let's say that you own a, a, a retail clothing store uh, in Wynwood. Mm-hmm. We'll actually be able to give you information on how many people have walked by your window, mm-hmm. what age groups they are, 
men, women, etc., will be able to tell you how many people stopped and actually looked in your window and how long they stood there looking in your window. And when they were looking in your window, were they happy? Were they sad? Were they upset? Or confused. Or confused. <laughs> yeah. So that is information that people... Um, I mean, just think about that yeah. for a second. Now, if I can give you that information and you're a business owner and you know that on any given Saturday, 2,000 people walk by your, your, your store and none of them stop, you might want to spend a sure. little bit of time working on your, your, your marketing for your windows. Right, right. So, Jeff, the tech sounds amazing. What do you say to those that might be a little bit apprehensive about the, the, the data or the abilities? Well, I, I think that, you know, that, that's one of the interesting things about technology, right? It's, it's new there are things that we don't know. We spend a lot of time watching uh, fictional TV. Um, and and, and the, the issue with AdMobilize, uh, I think from the concern perspective, is is it facial recognition? In other words, if, if you walk by that store, do they actually know it's you? And then, you know, drop your name into a database. Mm -hmm. and, and then every time you walk by, they know who you are. And Lex is uh, hitting me with ads. Exactly. For, uh... <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I agree. I think that would be a little bit concerning. And the fact of the matter is that was a strategic decision by the founder, uh, Rodolfo, to stay away from facial recognition. Mm -hmm. And it's just facial um, detection. Detection. Thank you very much. So it's so all happy, it's, sad, exactly, you know. male, female, young, old, and and that's what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, the technology was actually built for billboard uh, industry, which okay. is a very sleepy, non you know, uh, exciting vertical, but an extremely lucrative vertical. It's a nine mm -hmm. billion dollar vertical. You mean like billboards, address, like billboards, like billboards, or billboards, digital billboards. You go into you know. Um, we actually are doing a, a, a pilot right now with the Miami airport, oh, cool. right? So we, again, they want to understand who are the people, not who the people are, but what is walking through their doors? Sure. What are the age groups? What are the demographics, et cetera? But, but again, take it to the next level. Imagine you and I mm -hmm. walking down um, a corridor. Mm -hmm. There's a, a J.C. Deco uh, billboard, it senses that it's you and I walking toward the billboard. Mm -hmm. Now, in the old days, it was like fishing with a net, mm -hmm. right? You had no idea what you were fishing right. for. But now, with, with AdMobilize technology in that billboard, it sees two men. Um, you know, you're in a suit and a tie, so maybe it's going to throw up an advertisement for, uh, you know, Hugo Boss sure. or, or Armani or whatever it might be because it sees us and how we're walking Do it, mm -hmm. There's no reason to throw up a... Uh, an advertisement for uh, Coach Purses when it's right. you and I coming, right? <laughs> but if it was your wife and you were walking down, maybe it throws up those those two different types of, of advertisements because the billboard went from being um, non-intelligent mm -hmm. to extremely intelligent. Well, and that's amazing from a marketing perspective, just the, uh, the ability to target and be more, you know, specific. instead of a fish and, and a net, you're more of like a sniper to a certain that's extent. That's exactly right. And, and I think that's and historically been one of the issues with, that's sort of out of home where you just really aren't that's exactly sure, right? right? That's exactly so right. That's amazing. So that's AdMobilize. How far along in the process um, is it uh, with uh, with Wynwood and whatnot? Well, the, 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 we're actually working with the, the city of Wynwood right now to uh, adopt, you know, their their technology base with our technology. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we'll we'll be up and running, you know, relatively soon. And it's a it's a very exciting thing yeah. for for us um, because it'll be our first municipal uh, client 
and just start to imagine, you know, if things go well here, right. you know, it'll probably scale up pretty big. But we're in 62 different countries with this technology. So when I say oh, wow. that, that, you know, this is a this is a company that is really, really uh, doing amazing things, and it's a, it's a Miami-based uh, technology. Yeah, that that's and that, it's with global legs, uh, with know? massive so global legs. When they talk about Silicon Valley and Silicon Beach and whatnot, I think these are the perfect examples of sort of what the city is doing to sort of uh, break ground in in this industry. Yeah, I think I think that things are are starting to move very nicely. Um, you know, again, life cycles, right? The reason I chose Miami is because I felt that Silicon Valley had had kind of gone through its life cycle. You know, when when you go to Silicon Valley and you were able to raise a million and a half dollars in friends and family and you go there to start your business and that million and a half dollars is gone in three months just because of the cost structure of Silicon Valley now, uh, it just doesn't make sense. And with the democratization of information, why in the world do you need to be in Silicon Valley? Mm -hmm. You can be anywhere in the world. You can start your company in, 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 in Kenya for good, for, you know, as long as you have an ecosystem that you can tap into sure. that give you the consulting, to give you the dev work, to be able to help you scale and get to your product market fit. Um, and that's what we have tried to create here in Miami, an idea to exit ecosystem for founders all over the world to access. Uh, it's working. It's happening. We're scaling. Uh, and I think more and more companies and more and more and founders and more and more entrepreneurs are coming here um, to build their companies. Absolutely. And so for our realtors out there, we talk a lot about the tech sector being one of the booming uh, sort of industry pillars of Miami, making it a global city for your clients that are either interested in being part of that tech sector. These are perfect examples on uh, uh, how the uh, we're moving forward, right? And also for, um, generally speaking, uh, how Miami as a city is evolving. I mean, these are important, amazing facts. So, Jeff, tell me how about um, you have some other exciting projects in the pipeline? Tax file, so stereo. Tell me about some other stuff. Well, Tax file is a really interesting uh, company. Uh, again, born and born and raised here in Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, the founders uh, are are ex extremely strong founders. Uh, one of the 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 founding partners, Richard, was a, a CPA for for Pricewaterhouse Coopers. Uh, Michael uh, was an attorney, and these guys came together and said that you know the, the tax world needs to be disrupted, right? It's 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 not efficient. And basically, what they did is they Uberized taxation. So you can actually go on your app right now from the B to C. You can go, you can pull up on your phone, you can get your your taxes done. I mean, I was literally this year doing my taxes while I was sitting in a meeting, because I would just take a look at my phone and I'm having a conversation with my CPA. Um, who, you know, we've uploaded all my information into a secure location. He's asking me questions. I'm answering the questions while I'm in the meeting. And he and I never spoke on the phone. I mean, I used to pay, you know, over $3,000 a year to do my taxes. Uh, you know, I pay 300 and something this year to get my taxes done. So this tax file is basically an app that does your taxes? It, it, it's an app that democratized CPAs around the United States. It's uh, one of the largest CPA firms in the United States now, um, and they don't actually employ one CPA. So basically, if you think about it, right, a CPA, um, you know, during tax season is working 70, 80 hours a week. <clears throat> this allows CPA to augment their, their income um, by utilizing the tax file app. No different than Uber, right? Mm -hmm. Uber doesn't employ any of these drivers. Gotcha. They just democratized 
the automobiles, allowing people who own automobiles to make a little bit of extra money or in some cases make a living. It's the exact same thing for CPAs. That's the B2C side. The B2B side, the business-to-business side, is where um, I think that the founders were, were super smart. About two years ago, they pivoted and said, look, you know, these financial institutions around the world, these large institutions, probably didn't keep pace with technology the way that they should. And so let's offer them up our technology base. We'll white label it. So large, large financial institutions around the world, you might be utilizing them as a consumer, but it's actually TaxFile that's doing all the work. Interesting. It's super interesting. So uh, it's it, a white labeling. It's okay. a white labeling. It's an incredible business. TaxFile will become, I am pretty sure, the first B round that has ever been done in Miami. Wow. So again, you start to think about how technology is starting to evolve in the city. Uh, you know, two years ago, I don't think we even had an A round. Uh, my firm alone last year funded four different, led and funded four different A rounds just in Miami companies, um, invested over $20 million in startup companies here in Miami, and TaxFile will be the first B round. So for our listeners that aren't as um, savvy in uh, investment and IPO sort of speak, could you yeah. break down A round and B round yeah. for us? And I apologize for that because no, you're right. It's all right. You get so going. W- when a company uh, is, 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 being built and created. Mm-hmm. There, there's a number of, again, life cycles. Mm-hmm. So you have what's called pre-seed. Mm-hmm. That's usually like friends and family who are giving that company or those founders money to get started. And then the company starts to scale. It figures out what its product market fit is. It starts to, to create consumers and it needs more funds. It needs more fuel mm-hmm. to go to the next level. And so that usually is your seed round. That's outside money. That's people who have been attracted to your company, attracted to what it is you're trying to do, and are willing to give you uh, funds, capital, in the mm-hmm. private market. Okay? From that, it goes to uh, an A round, which is a, a milestone. If for a startup company to get to an A round, um, it is very, very difficult. And when that company gets to the A round, you kind of know that they've kind of figured it out, mm-hmm. and they're really ready to scale. Uh, we actually wrote a a white paper on uh, the path to the A round, which is which is I'll send to you. You might yeah, find it interesting. Yeah, we can put it in the uh, links of the show notes. Yeah, we'll do that. And then from the A round, you get to the B round. The B round is again a, a, a significant milestone because it basically means you've made it. And and now what's happening is uh, major corporations are now starting to look at you as as an acquisition. So going back to my mm-hmm. public. Um, life. One of the things that I came to understand was in 1999, corporate America started to pull back in research and development. I actually wrote a white paper about it. You know, fast forward and pointing inward, I was completely wrong at the time. Uh, You know, I was kind of scathing corporate America because corporate America was pulling back in research and development at a time when I felt technology was going to kick in and you needed to put more money into research and development. At the end of the day, uh, what corporate America said was, no, you know, information is democratized. Uh, inventors and creators around the world are going to have more availability to create companies than ever before. And those individuals are closest to the end consumer. So therefore, they're going to know what those new companies need to look like and what those new companies need to have in order to be attracted to those end consumers. We'll stockpile cash and we will never allow that startup company to disrupt us. 
So the whole notion of disruption has actually been disrupted because corporate America has their eyes out there at all times. They understand where the gaps in the strategic plans are. And when they find that, that creator, that founder who has created a company, let's call it TextFile, mm -hmm. we're not going to let TextFile disrupt us. We have more cash than we have ever had in the history of the United States economy on corporate balance sheets. We'll just go and buy it. Right. So I say that because when a company gets to the B round, that's actually when you start to see corporate America's eyes saying, okay, how can this organization, how can this company fit into our larger scope? Let's buy it. Right. And that's what I'm in the business of. I like it. I love it. And that's Tax File, Miami Beach based company? Uh, Coral Gables, actually. Coral Gables. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Coral Gables. Go to the B round. I like yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Jeff, this is amazing. Um, thank you for everything you're doing and for um, you know getting the word out about, about our tech sector. Um, once again, you're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. We're here with Jeff Ranzel, Managing Director and Founder of Rocker Fuel, uh, one of the best and uh, brightest VC funds down here in Miami. Uh, so, anything else um, on on the horizon that uh, that that we want to touch on? You know, I, I I think just because I think it's a, an interesting um, segue into to real estate. So, you know, the the president this this uh, put together a, a tax focused uh, reform. Mm -hmm. Okay, and in that tax reform is is something called uh, opportunity zones. So about a couple of months ago, the, the Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross, actually came down and spent uh, a full day with, with our organization because he knows that this, this Tax Reform Act of, of Opportunity Zones is one of the biggest uh, cities that Opportunity Zones exist is in Miami, right? So you start to under, if you understand what the Opportunity Zone tax credit is, um, let's just say, for example, two weeks ago, Uber went public. Mm -hmm. And let's say that you were, you were lucky enough to have invested in Uber in the private markets. And now it goes public, and now you're, you, you've got $100 million worth of capital gains that you've got to deal with. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take that $100 million and you come to Miami and you invest it into a project that is zoned for the Opportunity Zone, you can defer that $100 million. Wow. So you start to think about real estate and tech and how they come together. Again, it's about locking arms. And how do we find the landowners that actually occupy these opportunity zones and talk to them about how do we create uh, uh, an opportunity for these technologists to come to Miami, defer their, defer their taxes, and maybe even bring their companies with them. Mm -hmm. So there's a gentleman uh, by the name of Moishe Mana. Yeah, of course. Moishe uh, is is a is in the process of of this vision of creating a 5G city. So he has purchased something like 80 percent of Flagler Street in downtown. He's got 50 acres that he's 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 purchased in Wynwood, and this is what he's focused on doing: is creating a community. He knows the the demographics. He understands that people are moving to the urban city, and Flagler, going back to the history of Miami, that was our um, our, our mainstay. That's mm -hmm. where business came and went. And so his first purchase was the Flagler Station. And if you're familiar with the F Station in Paris, which is a building that is 100% focused on technology, and it has the biggest technology companies from around the world that are, are there, and he wants to turn that in, uh, instead of the, the F Station, it'll be the H Station for Henley Flagler. And he's, he's, a, he's cool. aligned himself with my firm, 
and we'll kind of be the, the heart and soul of the technology engine for the H station. And um, he wants to create that whole ecosystem west to east on the uh, Flagler station into technology, fashion, art, um, places where people can come and live in a very uh, cost-effective way. And, you know, then you leave your house, you take a scooter or you walk to your work. If you're in fashion, you're in the fashion house. If you're in music, you're in the music hall. If you're in technology, you're in the H station. Um, and again, he's one of the largest landowners of Opportunity Zones in Miami. And so I think it's that combination of people who are in real estate and, and development. And how do you, you align yourself with firms like ours? Mm -hmm. And, you know, let, let's, let's lock arms and really make this thing happen. I like it. Let's do it. Let's take a quick break from our sponsors, and then we'll um, keep chatting here with uh, Jeff Franzel from Rocker Fuel. We'll be back. Today's episode of the Miami Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Octopus Agent, the go-to website and marketing system for real estate agents. Social media sharing. We love doing that. Connect your social media channels. Start sharing properties with one click. Pre-written content in your social media accounts in English and Spanish. It's easy to set up in less than 30 minutes. There's no need for a developer, no need for a designer, no tech knowledge required. You don't have to write any content, and there's no need to pay for an email marketing service. For a website that actually works for you and an email marketing campaign that saves you money and positions you as an expert of choice, go to octopusagentservera.com and get 50% off the first month at octopusagentservera.com. Again, octopusagentservera.com. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. Just as a reminder to our listeners, you can find us on the Apple Store Miami Real Estate Podcast. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, and MiamiRealEstatePodcast.com. So, Jeff, let's keep talking about tech, all about tech here. Uh, it's amazing stuff. We're getting into Mana Commons uh, with Moshimana. Tell us a little bit more about what that um, sort of is evolving to or what we can expect once that's completed. Well, the, the, the man has... Uh has put together an amazing um, real estate portfolio of $2 billion worth of real estate that he's acquired here in Miami around this focus. So what we should expect as Miamians is, you know, between now, 18 months uh, out, will we'll probably be uh, the first project that is up and running, which will be the H station on Flagler Street. Uh, he's got a number of other projects, 155, um, uh, 177, which is across from from uh, the H station, which right now is 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 kind of like a food hall. Mm -hmm. um, if if you're familiar with Flagler, you know it's 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 in desperate need of of uh, iteration. Yeah, um, the, the plans are absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, 18 months to 24 months, you'll see some major things. He's also doing some 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 pretty big projects in Wynwood. Mm -hmm. So you know he owns. Like I said, 50 acres there, but uh, he owns uh, about four acres right there on Second Avenue, and so right now, what what they're looking to do is is kind of an extension of what is now Wynwood Walls. Okay. He's big into art. You know, he owns a two million square foot art installation in New Jersey, which is the largest in the world. Wow. So he's a big art uh, focused uh, guy. So he wants to have walls that actually can slide out and bring artists in. Uh, restaurants. Uh, he's looking to partner up with some major hotel brands right now and bring some really cool um, hotels into Wynwood. Um, again, really That's all focused around around you know building all this stuff out. But I think at the end of the day, his vision is is super interesting. That you know it's it's not sustainable 
to to go out on a Friday and Saturday night and spend three to four to five hundred dollars on dinner. Um, you know, it, it would be better to be able to go to your community. Let's say you live in Flagler. Mm-hmm. You live, you work, and you play in your community on Flagler Street. And he wants to create, um, you know, affordable living where you then are a part of that zip code community. And if you're a part of that zip code, if you live in that zip code, then you're getting major discounts at the microbreweries, at the restaurants, uh, at the at the clothing stores. Anything that's in your zip code, you are a part of. In fact, he's gone so far as to try to create a model where at the end of the year, you know, everyone who is a business in Flagler would take a portion, a percentage of their earnings that goes to a pool. And then if you live in that zip code, you participate in that pool at the end of the year. So you're actually an owner of the community that you're living and working in. I, this has got to be a new concept, right? A new, what do they call that? Well, it, you know, it, it's his vision, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this. what is there one of, you know, he's one of 5,000 in the world. And I think when you become, you know, that wealthy, you can become very, you know, creative. And I also think you get to a point in your life, and I, I know Moshe very well. He's a very dear friend of mine. Um, you know, I think he's, He's at that point in his life cycle where it's, you know, how do you want to be remembered? Sure. And I think he's, he's very, you know, thankful for the things that he has. And he's a big, he's really big on giving back. Mm-hmm. And I think this is his, his give back. Right. And, you know, it's, I don't think it's about making billions of more dollars for himself as it is to create making something that will withstand, you know, long after he's gone. That footprint, right? Yeah. And and what a footprint to, to leave. Exactly. Right? It sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, I guess looking out, um, you know, into the, the future, let's say as, as much as we can with our metaphorical crystal ball here, what does Miami's tech scene uh, and tech sector look like, you know, to you in the next five, 10 years? I think in, in five years, it's, it's uh, if we execute on what, what I want to do, um, we will look like, you know, the Austin, Texas, uh, look like the, 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 the Boulder, Colorados. Um, but I think much larger. I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm biased. I, I, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world. But I don't know. If you if you if you have to make a decision, I'm going to go to Austin, Texas, or I'm going to go to Boulder, Colorado, or I can go to Miami. I think you choose Miami seven days a week and four or five times on Sunday. So uh, to me, we got you know you're in real estate, location, 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 location. Well, if we don't have the location, I don't know who the hell does. Mm -hmm. And so you know it's it's I think what this is going to take though is making people aware. Again, it's that rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. Um, making people aware that we have this opportunity to create this. And what that does for our city is exponential. You know, people say that real estate in Miami is high right now. Well, let me tell you something. In five years, if we turn this into a tech city, so when people think about Miami, they think about our nightclubs. They think about our hotels and our resorts. They think about our food and wine. They think about our real estate. But nowhere in that conversation ever up to right now does someone talk about our tech ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And if we can create and, and plug and bolt on that fourth piece, Miami changes exponentially. Because just look at what happened in San Francisco. 15 years ago, San Francisco, you could you could you could own pretty much anything you want and, you know, outside of your door was probably, you know, not such great uh, scenery, mm-hmm. right? You, maybe there's a tremendous amount of homeless people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But look at it today. 
And that's all because of technology. And we are, we are the, the, the center, if you will, the headquarters of Latin America. And right now, from an economic perspective, there's not a business in the United States that doesn't want to have access to Latin America. And speaking of which, I think, and we were talking about off-air, I think, obviously, we didn't, uh, Miami didn't land uh, the Amazon HQ2 bid, but that's not to say that in the future, as Amazon looks to maintain their, their footprint or even expand in Latin America, that Miami wouldn't be an obvious choice. So I'll put my analyst hat on for, for this question. Um, you know, I'm thinking about Amazon's strategy, right? So um, obviously doing extremely well. Their price is over, a th- you know, their stock price is over $1,000 a share. It's crazy. Um, but if they want to be, if they want to continue to be competitive, which I, I know, um, you know, Jeff Bezos is a very competitive guy. If you look at Latin America right now, Latin America is, 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 is a major focus for Alibaba, which is a big competitor for Amazon. And so I, I believe, from an analyst perspective, that, that Amazon will look to that jurisdiction, that region, as a massive growth opportunity. They're going to have to compete, right? Because if they lose that footprint, um, I mean, it, it's not far-fetched to say that, that, that Alibaba could come in and just take mm-hmm. out uh, Amazon. It could happen. I mean, that's how big Alibaba is. So um, I think that it, it makes sense, again, going to the life cycle, right? Did it, did it make sense for Amazon to come here for the HQ at this particular time? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I think moving forward, probably so. And I think it's just a natural place for, for them to come. And again, if we're doing our jobs right, right, as Miamians, mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to make Miami more attractive to an Amazon, to a, a Microsoft, to a, a, a Facebook to Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. You want to have access to Latin America, then you need to have the brain, which is Miami, which feeds into Latin America, and this is the right place to come. And it's about, it's about executing in an intelligent way in the opportunity zones, because there's a tremendous amount of liquidity events that are taking place in the United States, more so than we have ever seen in the history of our economy. And what are those people doing with those capital gains? Bring it to Miami, invest it into our real estate, Bring your technology with it. We'll give you access to Latin America. I mean, it's a it's a it's a pretty damn good business plan. It sounds like one to me, and extremely well said, um, Jeff. Final thoughts uh, to take us out of the gate here for for our audience. Yeah, you know what I would say is again, it's this rinse and repeat mentality, and and let's all as Miamians, uh, if you're listening from Miami, um, then then lean into us at Rocker Fuel EXO. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on, on uh, Instagram. You can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, the Tag Experience, who represents our branding and communication, uh, Deborah Lima. You can reach into her. But, but lean in. If you have ideas, if you want to be a part of, of helping us create this, it's going to take a village, and, and we can make it happen. Um, but if we just get up and do the same thing every day and expect things to be different, it's, it's not going to happen. So, so lean into us. If you don't live in Miami, but you have interest in uh, building a company and you need help, lean into us. Come to Miami. Don't go to Boulder. Don't go to Austin. Come to Miami. Wow, Jeff. Uh, I'm a lot more pumped about tech than I have been in a while. Thank you so much for coming in here. Um, and for all of you out there, thanks for listening. Once again, this was Jeff Ranzel, Managing Director and Founder of Rocker Fuel on the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your go-to source for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or else Podbean, Miami Real Estate Podcast.com from Miami, where the future is always bright. We'll see you next Tuesday, and thanks for listening. 